You, you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. <laughs> Hey everyone, I'm Kyler Bingham and this is the Salt Lake Dirt Podcast. On today's show, we have filmmaker Nate Barlow. He has a short film at the Dances with Films Film Festival this year in Los Angeles. It's at the Chinese Theater, September 7th, Tuesday at 4.30 p.m., part of the shorts block there. Um, highly recommend it. It is called A Brief History of Hollywood and it's about the Hollywood sign. Um, I love old Hollywood and this kind of blew me away. I learned a lot of new things. So very cool film. Love the conversation with Nate. It was great talking to him about his career and his filmmaking process. So without further ado, let's talk to Nate Barlow on the Salt Lake Dirt podcast. Okay, Nate Barlow, thank you so much for joining uh, me on the Salt Lake Dirt podcast. Uh, we're covering dances with films. Uh, very cool that they're going three weeks. Um, there's so many incredible films uh, already, um, but yours especially stood out to me. It's one. It's one of the shorts, um, and it's called "A Brief History of the Hollywood Sign." So uh, immediately, I knew I, I would love it. Um, I'd be interested, and our viewers would want to hear about it as well. So, um, yeah, thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Um, so I guess just the question, like right right off the bat, I know you're you're a filmmaker, you're an actor. Uh, what made you decide to make a short film about the Hollywood sign? Well, some backstory is that when I first moved to LA, and actually even before that, when I was on a business trip uh, out here prior to that, went saw the sign as I think pretty much everybody does, and I was kind of eh, seen it, done, been there, done that, whatever. Until the first time I was driving up into the Hollywood Hills as and really getting, you know, it's only so close you can get, but as close as you can get and suddenly realizing just how large those letters actually are. And I just became fascinated because they're, I mean, they're huge. And when you, when you think about it, it makes sense, but you don't realize it uh, uh, so much. You know, obviously when you see it on in video uh, news footage or even just down in the flats of Hollywood. So I just became fascinated and I started researching the sign and really there's so much to its history that People might know certainly like Hollyweed or that used to be Hollywood land, but there's just such a rich history that the entirety of most people don't know. And I thought it'd be great to do a film about this, but I didn't just want to do something that's talking heads and talking head type stuff about the sign that exists. I wanted to do something that was really visually captured it. So the idea of having this simulated time lapse, which the film revolves around came to mind, but I realized that wasn't enough. And so I kind of just was sitting on the idea, sitting on the idea, and then it struck me, you know, how obviously the the sign, though not intended to be originally, has become a a symbol of the film industry. And one if I layered that on top and had all these constantly shifting technological advances, so you see the growth of the industry along with the growth of the sign and how they parallel each other, as well as the fact that I thought the sign even beyond that is really represents the, its ups and downs coincide with the ups and downs of our society really represents the town of Hollywood and really uh, our nation at the same time. Uh, very cool. Yeah. So I was um, last time I was there this past summer, I, the, the first time I actually went up Beachwood Canyon, I just kind of walked around uh, the neighborhood there. It's so like the original Hollywood land development. And it just was, 
I, I had never really thought much about the sign before, kind of like what you say. It's just, it's almost like it's a, such a landmark. It's easy to take for granted. It's just kind of there. Um, it's, it's Hollywood, you know? So it was very cool seeing, I, I, you know, I'd heard a couple of the things like, um, you know, the actress who jumped uh, to her death and then, you know, Hollyweed, but I learned so much about it. And it, it almost sounds like, just kind of getting the impression like it, it's actually pretty impressive that it has stayed because it was just kind of like a billboard essentially in the beginning um so there there were times where it seems like it could have just gone easily away and and you know forgotten about so um very cool that you covered all the history there um i'm a history teacher so it was just kind of like it really appealed to my love of hollywood and history um and i, I learned so much and i i agree with you i didn't know i didn't know what to expect i knew it was a short film um, when I saw the title initially, I thought, oh, this, this has to be a feature. Um, and then I saw it was a short and then the, it really intrigued me um, because I'm like, how is he going to, how is he going to pull this off? But it was just, it was so well done. And, and it just, you know, it, it covered the the Hollywood sign, but then like you said, it covers like uh, the trajectory of, you know, American history during that time period. And then Hollywood, of course. So, um, just an awesome, awesome, like, like short educational film that I think a lot of people, I really hope they get the chance to see this. Um, I'm curious about like the, the graphics and the animation that you, that you did on this. Um, how did you go about like developing that component of it? Are you, are you versed in that, um, that kind of technology or did you like reach out to people to help you with that? I'm versing it now. Uh, <laughs> to start with, you know, even before long, as I said, I researched the science history. Once I decided I was actually going to do a film, I started, you know, took that research to another level and just started getting just massive files of, you know, folders of just of images of the history of every little detail. And I think in the final film, there's only one or two pieces where I had to go completely just, I, well, I think based on the description it would have been, I just could not find a reference image or in you know, a couple cases in more modern times, of course, video. So first was just, you know, collecting all the reference. I had, do have a background in Photoshop. So the first month of work was literally just creating um, pieces to work with in Photoshop, you know, getting, got my pic, my photos of the hill. And then of course, stripping out the sign and, re, and rebuilding it, the letters as individual, individually manipulable items as well as building out land and building out the structure because of course the old structure was, you know, to basically telephone poles. And now they just got this steel superstructure. So you know, it's just literally just Photoshop ripping and building. And then I, you know, I should say for a long time, I sat on the idea just because I thought, okay, who can I get to do this? Who's going to said, I have to do it myself. And so I taught myself after effects on the fly oh, to wow. do it. So, which means I got where I wanted to go. I am sure in many cases there was a far more elegant solution as opposed to bull in the china shop, push it through <laughs> brute force, but it got me there. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, that um, yeah, sounds like you, you learned a lot there. Well, that yeah, it came out great. So um, yeah, very, very cool. Um, I am curious because I'm I wasn't able to make it down to the festival. I'm in I'm in Salt Lake City, and um, I noticed on social media you've been you've been at the dances with films um i believe the red carpet and all that stuff so i'm, I'm just kind of curious how it's going down there so far i know this is um i think this is the first uh festival that i've covered that were that they're back at that level um 
which is, you know, awesome that they're doing it safely and um, gives us a bit of hope as, you know, filmmakers and film um, buffs to be able to get back to these festivals that we love so much. So I'm just curious your experience so far at the festival itself. I've loved it so far. I mean, it's been tough, you know, having it come out during this year. Yes, there are festivals doing virtually and it's great for it to get out there at, that way. But as a filmmaker, not having that in person and everything around the festival is, you know, it's it's disappointing. Mm -hmm. uh, you're glad to still get it out there, of course. And I've played some wonderful festivals virtually. There are a few that were in person, but that were so far away, you know, across the world that Wessel wasn't going to go to during the pandemic for uh, right. <laughs> travel risk reasons. So it's just great. It was just been great to be there in person. The people at Dances with Films, I've been to a lot of festivals. I've been both the festival staff and the other filmmakers have just been incredible. It's just been a wonderful atmosphere. You know, already making so many great friends and everyone's so supportive. It's just been a lot of fun on top of this. It's just great to be back at, a, at an actual festival and seeing movies in a theater and everything around with it. It's just been a blast. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, there, there's one film. If you if you have the time, um, Bleeding Audio is a documentary that's playing there that I, I covered at Slamdance earlier in the year, um, and that was that was all virtual at the time. So, I believe this is the first like you know big screen um, presentation of that film. But I I really enjoy that as far as the documentary goes. Um, Chelsea, I forget her last name, but um, it, awesome person, filmmaker. The film was great. So. Um, yeah, definitely for any listeners as well, like check, check that out. Um, look it up at the very least. Um, yeah, so I am, I did want to talk, I didn't get the chance to watch it, but you're also involved with, um, a film called the water of life, um, about, about like a whiskey distillery or, or, or an individual yes. who works with that. So I'm just kind of curious about, about that project and what maybe it sounds like it's, um, it's going to be available for people to see fairly soon. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I'm just kind of curious um, about the film itself. And then maybe you could tell people where they could where they could find that online or order. Uh, it's a film about the craft of Scotch whiskey and really how the whiskey industry came out of the doldrums of the late 70s and the early 80s where everything was mass produced, caramel coloring, has kind of lost all of its distinctive nature and how it, the renaissance that has uh, taken it to the level it is today. And uh, I'm co-producer on it. Uh, one of my very good friends, Greg Swartz, is the director. And you know, he brought in all his friends, most of whom were whiskey people before him, but not all, though they are now, uh, <laughs> to uh, help, uh, help make this film. And uh, so it's just been, it's been an incredible team because uh, we're all good friends. There's a lot of trust there. And we shot it. Well, I shot it in several spurts, you know, several trips to Scotland and in other places of the world, because the main focus, you know, it was one of the things we we're doing a film about the craft of Scotch whiskey. A lot of the story, we didn't realize exactly where it was going to go. It's, you know, it's often the case in documentaries until we shot the footage and saw where the story was. So the main focus ends up being the Renaissance of Brooklady under Jim McEwen uh, and uh, Mark Vernier. And um, so we shot it in these various spurts. We finished it mostly edit towards the very end of 2019. And uh, we were going to, uh, you know, premiere 
at the Fashio on Isla in May 2020. Well, obviously that did not happen. Oh, no. yeah. I, I, was, I was literally days away from buying my tickets uh, back to Scotland. Uh, I had already had a place to stay. So good timing. I, 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 I hesitated when I did. So uh, what we ended up doing that instead is we took advantage of this. And instead of going the traditional film festival route, we decided to go straight to our, our core audience, the, which, you know, whiskey drinkers. And so at the beginning of this year in January around uh, Robert Burns night is uh, we had a six day Burns event where there were, you know, you could buy tickets to watch the film on any given day virtually and you'd, you'd have 24 hours or you could buy it for the week. And then each day we had a different Q&A with uh, some of the distillers or important people in the whiskey world who were in the film. And it was a great success. So what we've been doing since is we've been having tons of virtual screenings, you know, going to various, you know, frequently whiskey clubs, even a, f- a few conventions, all these play- people working in the, in the virtual space and, um, you know, doing small private screenings for them. And we've even had, uh, actually, I should mention at the Burns Night event, we actually had a special tasting kit designed for the film where we got, we worked with some of the distilleries and they provided some whiskey. And we actually had a little uh, color dot, actually color dram that would come up on screen telling you when to drink each one because they correspond to different parts of the film. That's cool. And so we've even taken that to another level before we've actually gone and worked with some of the single cask uh, bottlers uh, and had our own water of life uh, whiskeys uh, for the, the film with a, you know, one was a Brooklady. Uh, and so, and just said, you know, having, so we actually have a, had our own whiskey that corresponds a special cask and it's been a huge success. Uh, and we're continuing to do those. We've had a couple in-person screenings now, not too many, uh, but we are now looking into while we continue to do that, we're looking into getting into traditional streamer, Netflix, Amazon, whoever, and other forms of distribution. Uh, so people are interested in seeing it. You know, we post most of the things on our website where it's, you know, if it's, if it's not a private club where it's, you know, they want it for their membership, of course, anything that's public that we're doing uh, goes on our website on the Facebook Water of Life film and, you know, all the different social media outlets. So there are definitely ways to find uh, screenings prior to us going on to a, you know, traditional streamer. It's funny to say traditional streamer because, you know, right, not non-traditional distribution, but <laughs> becoming its own thing. Yeah, really. Oh, that's great. Like, I, I love, um, I think that's the, the be- like taking the situation of the pandemic. That's, this is the best I've heard of it from, from a filmmaker as far as like turning it into a really cool, um, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna be virtual, might as well make it like unique and special. That sounds incredible. I, I bet that's um that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, I could totally see myself hanging out with friends, and um, I love that idea of having the dot. That's so cool. Um, well, yeah, I definitely I did I definitely need to check that out, and I'll make sure I put links to the website um on the write up here. Uh, okay, jumping back, I am curious. So like that that you finished um everything was kind of wrapped up right before the pandemic for that film. I am just kind of curious when um, timeline wise, when did you make the Hollywood short when, or, and how long did that take you? Uh, since it sounds like you were pretty <laughs> much on your own. <laughs> a very long time. Uh, you know, I had the idea and as I sat on the idea, a, because I didn't have the, of what, you know, initially the, the final piece in my mind, which was adding the technical elements. Cause I thought just doing the time-lapse wasn't enough. I needed to have, another layer. And so once I came up with that, I was still sitting on it because I was trying to find the right person to work with me on it. 
until I decided to, you know, I'm just, I'm going to have to teach myself. I started, you know, the first month I was just uh, Photoshop and I started, went into it. And then, you know, my kids were getting a little older. I just had, I forget about the time, probably I had my first one, not a couple of years before that. And it just got crazy as the, with the second one into the kids. I has put it on the shelf for a really, really long time. <laughs> uh, couldn't wait to get back to it, but just life was too crazy with two very rambunctious little girls. And then eventually uh, it's like, okay, I want time to get back. And at the, in that time I'd uh, gotten some new equipment, which helped. I had a Cintiq, so I was able to just move things around on screen with the pen and it was just made it so much easier. Uh, so it sped things up. By then I was working non, I mean, it would be a couple hours a day, sometimes more, you know, it could be four or five hours a day, sometimes just a couple hours. You know, I would take my laptop if, uh, to my one of my daughter's uh, uh, gymnastics practice and I would be working in the background. I was <laughs> working spurts like this for a very long time. The, I mean, the uh, Y2K sequence alone took two or three months because I actually had reference video and was doing basically a frame by frame recreation to that, uh, to some of it. So it just took, and the way I did it, I couldn't even let it render it because there were so many different lights turning on. I had to reset everything at every single turn for every single frame. It was brutal. Uh, so it took a lot of time. I finished it eventually, um, uh, late in, uh, 20, uh, 20 um actually somewhere in the summer uh maybe a little quick tweaks going up to october uh so it was uh it took some time then and uh and, you know tweaking it to the very end because one of those things often like oh hey you had a plan and then oh there was a new prank well i better add that to the end <laughs> so i just had to extend it a couple times because of that uh so it was a very extended uh a workflow yeah that's a commitment there for sure um i was surprised at how speaking of pranks i was surprised at how many there were i'd only heard of a couple i mean i'm just like i i want to hear i want to learn more about how those were pulled off i mean that seems like um a lot of planning had to go but behind that have you ever talked to anyone or do you know any of the stories specifically about any of those pranks because um I'm just curious how, like, how many people are involved when they pull that off and, you know, how long does it take? I mean, it's just, just kind of blows my mind. Well, Hollyweed was one person. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> yeah. The original, well, not the original because there was the, uh, the, but the part that's the most famous, it was the second one really. Cause there was the, uh, Leon, uh, poster during, uh, the, uh, the, one of the reconstructions in 73, but that was one, uh, person in an incidentally, at the opening night festival, I met someone who, like, one of her friends was the brother of that person. So, <laughs> oh wow, it was very funny. That was kind of cool. Um, so, some had a lot of people. Some, especially some of the fraternity ones, there was a whole group. Uh, there's one. I can't remember which one it is now. Where there was someone did a case study of it, uh, as you can like, you can actually study it. Uh, the uh, what they used, the amount of footage it was. They did it for a, a university course, mm -hmm. so you could actually see just how much material they had to use. And there's others which go into detailed. Uh, I think the Caltech. There's some detailed information on uh, one of the people's sites. So there's some. There's actually very detailed information out there as to how they accomplished it, and how much material and stuff like that. So others are, you know, kind of disappearing into the, you know, Rafi sod. I'm not sure anyone's heard from that band in for 
forever. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's, I mean, that, that, yeah, just, I can't imagine <laughs> pulling something like that off. That's like the adrenaline. Yeah, with the, all the security that. Yeah, I don't know if, if it's possible, right? Um, well, great. So, Nate, Nate, I'm, um, yeah, I'm so happy I got to talk to you. And it looks like the, the film is going to be at the um, September 7th at 4.30 um, at the doc, the documentary shorts uh, group two. Is that right? Let's make sure I get right. that right for him. Okay. So, and I believe it's the first short to, to show on that, that panel. So make sure if you're in person that you get there on time and, you know, and this is definitely one you, you don't want to miss. So um, yeah, Nate, thank you so much for taking the time. And um, I look forward to um, seeing more of your work in the future. Thank you.